You are listening to our Southside Baptist Church podcast. For more audio content, please refer to our website. This is baptistchurch.com. Amen. I'm going to ask you to remain standing and take your Bibles and turn to the book of James. James chapter 1. Children are going to begin to wait and make their way to worship and their time together uh, in the study of your word, but uh, in God's word. But anyway, we're reading out of James chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. And I have gum in my mouth. I have water by my side. Um, I have maintained a nice cough that I can't seem to get rid of. I do have some asthma, and that's part of my problem, so bear with me today. <clears throat> James chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you and we love you, and we give you all the glory, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, I'm spilling water down the front of me. One of the things, and, and I know John and Kathy would agree, one of the things of being a missionary is some of the experiences that you have when you live in other parts of the world. Language learning, culture, some of the things that, um, some things make a great impact into your life. John uh, when we were in Zimbabwe, I've shared this so many times and probably shared it at times out there at, uh, at Crossroads, that one day when I was going into a village where people had never heard the gospel and, and I was a little bit intimidated by that thought. No Bible, no Jesus, no knowledge of any kind. And asking the pastor, Mufundis Jaina, Pastor Jaina, uh, how do you even approach that for somebody out of the West? And, and he said, what are you preaching on? I said, well, I'm preaching on the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he said, ah, that's easy, Baba. He said, Mwadi. He said, Nyama, which meant uh, Mwadi, meant God. He tapped his own chest. He said, Nyama, which meant flesh, taking his jacket, my jacket, in fact. And he said, Mwadi, akafeka munyama, that God put on the flesh of man. And that was a theology lesson that I've never forgotten. Another illustration was when we were living in England and we were there working with the British Baptist Union. 
and we were at our mission meeting in Edinburgh, Scotland. And we were having our mission meeting in the Queen Mother's Sister's Castle. And it was this beautiful castle sitting out out of Scotland, out of Edinburgh, and it was just breathtaking. It was an unbelievable experience. The Queen Mother's Sister's Castle. So we were there. And uh, it, it looked like what you might picture. And, and Sheila and I, one day, we were up on probably maybe the second or third floor of the castle, and you could open the window. We were looking down, and they had this maze, this evergreen maze, these tall hedges that were trimmed and cut precisely, and this maze, just like you would see a, a mouse going through. And so we were watching, and all four of our kids, I believe all four of them, were down in this maze, and it's like 12-foot hedges. There's no way to jump up and try to determine or navigate how to get through the maze and get to the end of it. And after a while, listen, it becomes frightening. And so our kids, we hollered, and finally they looked up, and we begin from where our vantage point was, we begin to say to them, no, don't go that way. Go back the way you came. Okay, now, take a left, take a left, and we were just telling them exactly what they needed to do. Ultimately, we were able, from our vantage point, to lead them out of that maze. Everybody listen. In that moment, that gave me a vivid picture of God's wisdom. You see, life's like that, isn't it? Sometimes it seems like we come to these places in life, even retirement, where we're trying to navigate and figure out, God, what's the next chapter? What do we do now? What direction do we take? An empty nest, or uh, the kids are now in school, or we're changing jobs, or whatever it is, and we sometimes get, we lose our bearing and we're in this maze of life. We don't know which way to turn. And it's in that moment that we need the wisdom of God, right? How many of us have made this statement? I know I have. I've sat right there many times through my 26 years of pastoring in this church and said, Jesus, I'll give, I would give you five years of my life to have 15 minutes with you right now to ask you what to do because I don't know. You see, that's what James is talking about here. Because James here, and we just a little bit of review, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He is the brother of Jude. He is an interesting figure. This has 51 imperatives. I often say this is the Proverbs of the New Testament. He's writing to Jews who have been scattered, the 12 tribes. They've been scattered, dispersed all over the Roman Empire and Greco-Roman world. And, 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 and we looked over the last couple of weeks, we looked at what James says to you and I. When we come to trials and difficulties in life, he says, count it all joy. Count is a is a is a accounting terminology uh, you may have the word consider in other words i'm i'm getting ready to go through a trial a difficulty some suffering and i have a joy 
I have, I have a fruit of the Spirit. Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. He said, the Spirit produces love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control. So you and I are going into a trial, a difficulty. We're navigating through life some of those difficult times, but we have a joy. I mean, we just think, you know, God, what are you, what are you getting ready to do? What am I getting ready to experience? God, you've, your sovereign hand is bringing me into this. Remember, everybody listen. You are held in the palm of the hand of God. Do you realize that anything that has come into your life has first come through the sovereign hand of God and it is under his direction and under his control? Remember, Satan could not touch Job until he first asked permission from God. So I have a joy. God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how this is going to work out. But God, I know it's going to work out for my good because that's what you're about. You are conforming me into the image of Christ. Hagiosmos in the Greek, this process of sanctification where God is using those trials and those difficulties. He said various trials, which is our word. We get our word polka dot, splatter paint. It means it's the word pyrosmos in the Greek. It's this idea of trials, proving, testing. Uh, one writer said it's adversity, it's affliction, it's trouble. It's often sent by God or allowed by God in a, ma in a way of testing us, of proving our character, our faith, our holiness. Listen, I don't want to hear from people who've never had any problems, right? I want to hear from those people that have weathered some of the storms that I'm, I'm going through. And I want to look at them and ask them this question. How did you get through it? How'd you make it? How'd you come out on the other side? Remember, God doesn't always deliver us from trials. What he does do is he promises to deliver us through those trials. He doesn't deliver you and I from suffering. He delivers us through the suffering, right? And you see, this, this word in the Greek is very difficult because you, you, you struggle with translating it. Is it trial or is it temptation? Because one writer defined this word, the same word is this, an enticement to sin, temptation, uh, arising from our own desires from within or circumstances from without. In other words, Satan did this. He used, there's a similar word here in the Greek. It's somewhat the same word when the Bible says in Matthew 4 that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and there he was tempted. Pyrosmos. He was tempted by Satan. Why does Satan always remember this? Everybody listen closely. God tests, Satan tempts. God tests in order to bring what is called perseverance. It means the ability to not crumble under a trial in life. Satan comes to tempt and to basically tear us down, destroy us, 
and he's going after everybody listen he's going after your faith by grace I've been saved through faith without faith it's impossible to please God the just shall live by faith faith is the very faith is the very foundation and that's what the enemy's going after but I have a joy because I know somehow it's going to work out. So God doesn't tempt, but he does test. And he allows those things to come into our life. I was reading this. I want you to listen closely. There, there's a man, by the, I almost wanted to bring the book just to show you what pastors go through. This book is Systematic Theology, Biblical and Historical Account. It's written by a man by the name of Robert Culver's. It's his systematic theology. The book is massive. The print is literally, you almost have to have a magnifying glass to read it. It's a classic. Listen to what he said here. He, and listen, to, this is critical. He says that you and I are living in a fallen world. And we are dealing, listen to this, with progressive deepening evil. I want you to think about that for a minute. Progressive deepening evil. Billy Graham was asked, are we living in the last days? One of the things Billy Graham said, he said, good is getting better and it's polarizing. Evil's getting worse and it's polarizing. Good's getting better, evil's getting worse, and they're moving toward Armageddon. And that's true. But listen to what Culver said. He said, Cain killed Abel with his fist or perhaps a stone. He said Brutus used a knife to kill Caesar. While centuries later, Aaron Burr would shoot Alexander the Hamilton with a pistol. He said today we use flamethrowers, napalm, machine guns, and many other horrid ways of killing our fellow man. Fallen mankind, listen to what he said, is operating in a present evil world system and there is no hope apart from the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. Boy, isn't that true? Let me give you an example. When I was in the second grade, Uh, a, a boy next door in Titusville, Florida, a boy next door came over one day and he said, hey, Jeff, come out here. So, man, I went barreling out there and back behind his house, we were leaning up against the wall when he pulled out of his jacket a pack of Winston cigarettes. Man, I'd seen all them commercials. I was so excited. I was getting ready to smoke my first cigarette. And then he said, that ain't nothing. And he pulled out a Playboy magazine. And he said, this was in the mattress of my dad's bed. And I thought, man, we didn't need to go by it. We sat there, boy. We tried to, man, we, 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 we was trying to be just as cool as we could. We were leaning up against there. And then we began to look through that Playboy magazine. We were seeing things that today would be PG-13. Now, my dad found out about it. And my dad said, son, I hear you want to smoke, so I think I'll help you out. My dad smoked King Edward cigars. And he said, how about you and I just uh, have a good cigar this afternoon? And so uh, there was my dad. 
And uh, boy, I wasn't about to bend a bit. My dad had that big King Edward cigar in his mouth, and he handed me one of those big green King Edward cigars. I lit that sucker up just like he did. And, man, and then if it couldn't get worse, Linda, a girl across the street that I had a crush on, she was fourth grade, I was second grade. She come over to the house with my sister, and I wasn't about to give in. I smoked that sucker down. My dad got worried. He said, my Lord, this kid's going to end up smoking that old green cigar. And as soon as that little girl walked out, I jumped up and ran to the bathroom green. I was green and threw my guts out. And you may say, well, what does that have to do with what Culver was saying? We moved from PG, G, PG, PG PG-13. Hey, Facebook the other day, Sheila and I were talking about it. I said, well, let me look it up. I looked up, I typed in the name, and pornography came up on my phone. A picture of a porn situation enticing you, trying to get you to tap on it. But we went from G to PG to PG-13, PG-14. From PG-14, we went to Mature, R, then we went to X, then we went to Double X, then we went to Triple X. We dropped the X, and then we went to NC-17, which replaced the X. Why? Because Culver's right. Evil just gets worse and worse. If I showed you that Playboy magazine that me as a second grader was looking at at about 1962, you'd have said, that ain't nothing. Abortion. We went from first trimester abortion to second trimester abortion to third trimester abortion. And now, in some states, if a baby survives and is born, the baby is set on a table and allowed to die. We not only, and now, we not only will kill the baby throughout the full 40 weeks of gestation and maturity, we now will kill the baby once the baby's outside the womb. Why? That's evil. Now, I may make some people mad, but that's all right. You can apologize when you leave. Representative Benny Thompson, who was elected first in 1993 as our congressman, who in 2023 will have been in his position 30 years. I look back through his record. This man has repeatedly led the way for every legislation in the killing of the unborn. Can you imagine over 30 years? Do you realize the ability of imagery? Do you realize our ability to three and four dimension to look at a baby today in the womb over these last several years and see babies that are laughing, babies that are crying, babies that are pulling away, babies who evidence pain? Do you realize that we have unbelievable insight now that we didn't have 30 years ago as to the unborn being a person? And regardless of all of that, has it ever occurred to you and I that God said, Jeremiah, I knew you when you were in the womb psalm 139 i was the one that was making you knitting you together has it ever occurred to us that we have moved progressively just we've gotten worse and worse and worse because that's evil uh, we're, we're in a maze 
And that maze is a fallen system that we're in, and we're trying to navigate through it. We're like, uh, we're like Pilgrim's Progress. We're pilgrims. We're sojourners. We're trying to get through this, and, and we need help. We're like my kids who, who look up and finally hear us hollering. We're hollering down there, Amy, Amy, Emily, Ledge, Jeffrey, look up, look. And finally, in desperation, when they've exhausted themselves, they finally look up and we say, listen, stop. Now, I want you to go back to the first left. Take the first left. Stay together. That's what James is talking about. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith, you and I talked about this, it develops perseverance and perseverance must let perseverance have its finished work so that you may be mature, you may be complete, you may not lack anything. In other words, what God is doing, God is taking the trials and difficulties of life and like a, and like a potter shaping clay or like someone who's chipping away and making a marble image God is chipping away everything that doesn't look like Jesus and he's conforming me into the image of Christ I always remember what R.C. Sproul said one time in a, in a doctoral class he said I'm not the man that I want to be but he said I'm a better man than I was five years ago let me ask you are you a better man or woman than you were five years ago do you look more like Christ than you did last year this time But then he says it. You see verse 5, look at it. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given him. You see, what he was simply saying was this. And, and the word there, when he says if, it's not a matter of if. You might need it, you might not. No, let me tell you, we all need God's perspective on my trial. I'm in the middle of a difficult situation. I am trying to navigate this maze, and I need the wisdom of God to know what to do. One writer said this, the key is to recognize your need. I need God's wisdom, he said, to help me understand what I'm going through and how it can be used to conform me into the image of Christ to further and expand God's kingdom. Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians. We don't have time, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, you know what Paul said? Paul said, I've experienced the comfort, the comfort of God so that I can help other people be comforted. You see, sometimes God takes you through trials and difficulties and you and I are looking up and saying, God, I don't know what you're doing in this, but I know that you're doing something. You're doing something in my life. You're conforming me into the image of Christ and God, you're going to use this. My daughter yesterday, Amy, the dentist, she called crying. Parker Rose, her youngest, my granddaughter, fell and broke her leg a second time. And it wasn't an easy break. And Amy's coming off uh, maybe COVID. She had a cough. So she's watching the other seven kids. And Matt's heading to Batson with Parker Rose. And Amy is crying like a mom and saying, Mom and Dad, she's just weeping and sobbing. She says, I want to be there for Parker Rose. And anybody who's ever been in that situation, when they're trying to get that, that IV in that arm, that is gut-wrenching. 
I nearly got in a fight one time because I just finally looked at a nurse and said, if you can't hit my baby's veins and get somebody, you can. It's frightening. And Parker Rose, they tried in this arm, then they try on that arm, and she's crying, and Amy's talking to Matt, and Amy's crying, and, and, and all I could say was this. So I talked to her later on, Amy, one day God will use this for not only his glory, but to help you understand what some other parent is going through. What did I say a moment ago? Sometimes when you and I go through a trial, God is taking us through that trial. I remember one time when one of the kids, we were going through a hard time with one of our children, and I literally was coming to church, and I was crying over one of my kids, and all I could do was saying these words, where could I go but to the Lord? Oh, Lord, where could I go? Oh, where could I go? Seeking a refuge for my soul. Needing a friend to help me in the end. Where could I go but to the Lord? And I'm just crying and sobbing. That night I laid on my bed and I was grieving over one of my kids, battling and raising them and trying to keep them on the straight and narrow when God all of a sudden, God literally and filled my bedroom in that moment, almost like he threw cold ice water on me. He said, son, wake up. How many people in your congregation are right now struggling with children, are wrestling with being a parent? Many of them are fighting to hang on to an adult child who's breaking their heart. Son, do you think somehow you've been exempted from that trial? I'm going to build into you. I'm going to build into you an area of ministry that you don't have right now that you'll never forget. And anybody who knows me, whether you watch me on Facebook, whether you look at anything you do, I do, you will know that somehow almost always in preaching, I always take it to parenting. Why? Because I know those dark nights when you're up after 1 a.m. and your heart is breaking and you're fighting to hang on to your kids. Sometimes God takes you through trials and difficulties and you and I need his wisdom because God says, I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this in a way you will not even begin to understand. But how do I get it? You know, how do you get this kind of wisdom? You know, James said it. He said, ask God. God gives it liberally, but... Have you ever thought I've done that, but surely there's more to it. How do I get it? Hey, everybody look. Look this way. What is that? It's a Bible. Now, you can have your phones if you want, but I've got to have a hard copy. I've got to have something I write in, underline, put notes on the side. I've got to, I got, I, listen, uh, this is the only offensive weapon I have against my enemy, Satan. This is it. That's what Paul said. It's the only offensive weapon. Did you notice in Matthew 4 and in Luke 4, do you remember when Jesus was being tempted by Satan? How does he answer? It is written. This is your only offensive weapon against your enemy, Satan. This will make him, this is how you resist him. I don't know, John, if I'm correct, but I think Adrian Rogers, when he died, he asked him to place a Bible on his chest, this great, what we call Prince of Preachers, before he died. And I debate that, because the thought of being buried, really, to be honest with you, I, 
I think I'd want to have my Bible with me. When I want wisdom, when I, hey, listen, there are times in my life when I'm in the middle of a trial. You ever done this? There are trials, difficulties. You're in a difficult place in your life, and you're sitting there. Hey, listen, you're searching the Scripture. God, I need a word from you. And all of a sudden, and you do this, you just, you just start randomly looking, God, I've got to have a word. You just flip through here, and all of a sudden, you come to something, and you look down, in it. and in that very moment that God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all thy ways. And you start to sob and cry, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. He'll, he'll direct your path. You want wisdom? There it is. You want wisdom? You want to know what God would have you to do? Everybody look this way. It's that. It's this. And it's this. Oh, God. And man, you can say whatever you want. God, I'm scared. God, he... He's dating a girl right now, God, that I feel like I'm losing control of him. God, she's running with some friends that, Lord, I feel like if something doesn't change, Lord, I'm worried about the late night phone call. Lord, I'm scared. Do you realize in that moment that the sovereign of the universe is wrapping his arms around you like a parent who wraps their arms around a hurting child and says, I've got this. Sometimes God does that. Third, sometimes it's the church. It's the body of believers. How do I get the wisdom of God? I get it through the Word of God. I get it through prayer. I get it through you. I get it through Sunday school teachers and deacons and pastors. I, I get it through other people. I, I, th this man here exemplifies what I believe is the heart of the pastor. He knows how to love a congregation. I've gleaned when he wasn't looking and I've watched him love people even when they were difficult to love. My grandmother, the one all you've heard me talk about it, sitting on a vinyl couch in a single wide trailer, sitting next to her and hearing the wisdom of God. Martin Luther King Jr. said this in his autobiography. He said, I'd rather die on the highways of Alabama than make a butchery of my conscience. When I read that, you see, wisdom comes in a lot. It comes in your conversations with people. We don't converse with people anymore. We're too busy, hey, aren't we? You carry on a conversation with people and this is, this is what you're looking at. Look, in my head, top of my head's bald. You're just sitting there looking at, at people, and, and they're just glued to this. They're, 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 they're so tied into this, they, they can't even carry on a conversation. Young people, children can't. People, you, if you can't text it or email it, then you just don't ca you carry on at all. We're watching TikTok, YouTube, Instagram. We're watching our Facebook. We're catching up on everybody. And how many times do you and I see a mom sitting in a restaurant with a child sitting next to her and she never engages in a conversation? All she's doing is looking at this. And you want to walk over and say, do you realize the opportunity that you're losing and that you'll never get back? 
You see, wisdom comes in the conversations, the deep conversations. You've heard me say this, and I'll close in a moment. That time with, uh, when we were flying from uh, the United States, and we were flying to Amsterdam, then to London, and for hours I was engaged in a conversation with the man I spoke about a moment ago, the former pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church, Adrian Rogers. For three and a half hours, he, he asked the stewardess, he said, fix us a pot of coffee from, from 10 o'clock to 1.30 in the morning. He and I laughed, fellowship, talked stood there at the bulkhead for three and a half hours and all the while I was gleaning in that conversation, pulling, hanging on to as much as I could hang on to. Why? Because I wanted the wisdom of God. How many of us could be affected by a good book? The autobiography of Martin Luther King Jr. as we come to Black History Month? The autobiography of Booker T. Washington? Some of these great African-American men and women who have shaped the course of history and will celebrate February without ever picking up any of their stories and ever reading anything. Let me tell you something. We are all walking history books. And he says, listen, if any of you lacks wisdom, you need to ask God, and God will send it through the Word. God will send it through prayer. God will send it in all kinds of ways, but we have to learn to listen. And it's not just the fact of us gleaning from other people. It's the fact that sometimes we have to share what we know. Sometimes God gives us opportunities to pour into other people and we need to recognize that and we need to give them some of that wisdom that we've picked up in life. And you have to listen. Let's stand. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to you, and Lord, we love you and we praise you. Lord, we realize that you're doing a work in us, and you're also doing a work through us. We know, dear Lord, that you are busy after our conversion, now conforming us into the image of Jesus. And as we live and and breathe and function in the power of the indwelling presence of your Holy Spirit, those gifts begin to be manifested. Love, joy. Those moments when people look at us and say, you seem to be real calm. Aren't you worried? Aren't you troubled? Well... Yes and no. I may be worried. I may be battling with some anxiety. But I do know that a sovereign God has allowed this into my life. and Somehow He's going to use it for His glory. And I just pray that I'll have the wisdom that can only come from Him to help me see what He's doing. And sometimes he gives us a glimpse from the angle of heaven to us who feel like we're in a maze and we're lost 
We're sitting down in the hedges. We just finally sit down. We're tired. We feel like a mouse that's been running endlessly trying to get out of this maze, to get out of this rut, this ritual, this routine. We feel like the hamster on a wheel who is just running aimlessly more and more, and we're not getting anywhere. One of the things that we had to say to our children, we had to look at them and shout, stop, stop. Now look at me, look at us. Sometimes in the trials and difficulties, we just need to stop and say, Lord, here I am, and I don't know what to do. But my eyes are fixed on you. Lord, help me to see what you're doing. So, Lord, I pray today that if there's a man or woman, a boy or girl, who may feel in a very dark place in their life, who may feel like that person wandering around in that maze, who feels lost, disoriented, no longer even knows where to turn, what to do, I pray that right now that you'll quiet their soul. The Bible said, the writer of the psalm said, like a weaned child laying at the breast of its mother, that you'll quiet their soul in that moment that they'll just get real quiet and still. That they'll look up toward heaven and begin to cry out, say, look to your word and look to prayer and begin to listen deep to begin to realize, God, help me to know what you want me to see now. And Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, that today they'd be saved. Everybody look this way and then we'll say amen. You have to understand when you're in the maze, and, and I know we got the camera over here, and we talk about wisdom, seeing my life and my trial, my suffering from the angle of God. But the truth of the matter is, when you become a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, and this is a poor picture in some ways, you and I are never alone in the maze. Right? What did he tell you and I? He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. When you and I enter into a personal relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, he's in the maze with us. And, he, and listen, you'll feel him. He'll tell you that job's not right. That friendship's going to get you in trouble. He'll give you counsel all along the way if you don't quench and grieve his Holy Spirit. And let me tell you what he'll do. Everybody listen, and then we'll say amen. Well, how many times have I told you? He says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This is death. Absent from the body present with the Lord he says I'll get you through the maze I'll get you to heaven trust in the Lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding but in all thy ways every cross path every decision in all thy ways acknowledge him Lord Lord we're here Lord I don't know what to do Lord I don't want to mess up I don't want to make a mistake and the Lord says, this is the worst thing. The Lord says, 
Let's just be quiet for a minute. Let's just be still. Let's just, let's just sit here. I'm doing some things right now, just, just right here. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to go. Just, just, that's all right. Just be still. It's all right. Okay, now let's go. He loves you. And all God's people said, Amen. If God's spoken to your heart, if a decision you need to make, you come today. May never be a moment like this moment. I'm here at the front. Russell will be here. Ledge will be here. Sheila's here at the front. If you're not comfortable coming down here, I guarantee one thing. John and Kathy, they'll pray with you back there. You come. You come. May never be a moment like this moment. You come.